Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 39. And stay with us. I know we're talking sparrows and I know people say, oh, what? Sparrows? But we really have some spectacular sparrows that we're going to talk to you about today. Definitely. These these little ubiquitous birds that seem to be invisible or we just look right past them. But they are some actually beautiful birds that have some amazing feats that they do. We want to talk a little bit today about why we love them and why you should too. How to attract these eating machines to your yard (laughs) because they can be amazingly loyal to your yard once they find it year after year. And by the way, John, I think we're going to have to tell them what in the world is an LBJ. Well, if you don't know, you will. So stick around for the fun. All right, Brian, how's everything going? You know, fall is really starting to kick in and and some are losing that that grip. And our last episode talking about that and that seasonally savvy and how that's happening. I've just really been enjoying watching some of the last of the warblers leaving moving through yeah just that did we just share i just had a pine warbler in my backyard just oh, before man. we started recording so cool yeah. and then yeah and you uh, hearing from everyone about how uh, for our area kind of the that midwest area uh, the hummingbirds are disappearing yeah so which i still have i just this morning and you know i, I got so excited last time we did this <laughs> <laughs> and you know what here it is even deeper into october and i still i saw it first thing this morning mm-hmm. and it is so plump it is so fat it's <laughs> it literally it literally looks like it's having a hard time flying it, you know wow. you, you see they're so zippy and going, <laughs> right. this one's kind of like slowly moving from feeder to feeder so it's pretty funny <laughs> Gotta gotta have that energy to migrate, right? That's yes. <laughs> that's excellent. I love that. Um, so this last weekend was really nice too. Um, it's not really time for sandhill cranes to really do any movement for right. fall, right? But getting close though. Yeah, um, got to see you uh, out in the field somewhere, and some sandhill cranes hearing them talk out there. Yeah. So. That that was always fun to listen to that uh, that. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to let our visitors know we're both a little raspy, and it's not because we're <laughs> sick or have allergies. Uh, we both were outdoors. I I was uh, in essence camping for four days uh, over the extended weekend, and uh, you know you got a campfire going most of the time. Mm-hmm. So between. Uh, probably getting an overabundance of campfire smoke in my throat <laughs> and being outdoors. I'm, I'm a little raspy this morning. Yeah. And you and you did a little outdoor stuff too. Indeed. Similar area to you. So just love this time of year. And all of that crisp air starts a, a little bit more. It's, it's really neat watching some friends from Canada uh, putting on social media their posts about all the trees are changing. And some they're like almost full color already um, in the northern uh, northern areas and so i'm like oh it's only a couple weeks away before we're gonna have that full and then it just yeah but i'm, will drop I'm a little worried same yeah I'm, what are you I'm worried about worried well it's just that i look around my yard and i think the last podcast i, I commented on how it just seemed like the trees were reading the calendar and on mm-hmm. the you know, first day of october it was just turned yellow 
but I there's a we had a lot of rain and and the colors are really muted so far and especially the the maples that uh, they're not going to mostly red they're going mostly to yellow and then there's apparently I, I I'm speculating I have not really tried to track it down yet but I'm a speculating that we have some type of a fungus or mold that's attacking the leaves as they're dying mm. off because they're all dark spotted and so it's really muting the color so far around around my area so little concerned that we might not have indiana can have some unbelievably gorgeous fall foliage and i'm a little concerned that we may not have quite a spectacular year this year as we've had some other uh previous years yeah we'll see how that goes but yeah you know, the other thing that I really look forward to as this, this season is changing, John, are the spectacular sparrows and how <laughs> I do. I love these little sparrows. These little LBJs are coming from the northern areas because a, a lot of these actually uh, will nest up in Canada or up mm-hmm. in northern states. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you're like in some of the mountainous areas, um, whether in the east or the west, some of these some of these quote unquote sparrows and you may not think of some of these these sparrows these mm-hmm. birds being sparrows but they right. really are right. so we'll tell you right. about what some of those are well you know it's funny because we were talking earlier and uh, a year ago and this is this is this is halloween <laughs> you know this is the episode's going to drop right around Hall- halloween mm-hmm. and uh, a year ago we did a whole thing on owls kind of you oh, know yeah fitting for a halloween podcast yeah uh so so this year what the heck we're doing sparrows and i don't think you can we, we could have said spooky sparrows Spoo- Ooh, yeah, uh, well. scary sparrows <laughs> but they're but just chose... so cute i mean how you, it's like how do you how do you call them spooky i know it just didn't work so yeah. anyway we're gonna talk spectacular sparrows yeah and if you want to listen to that owl episode it's episode 12 but listen to this one first and then head back to that one later all right, Brian, you were talking about some people may not recognize some of the birds that we are going to talk about as sparrows. And I think oh, yeah. that's kind of, if you're not really familiar with the sparrow family, that's kind of an intriguing comment. It's like, what do you mean I wouldn't write? <laughs> Everybody knows what a sparrow looks like. That's right. So explain yourself, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we do have a few things to explain there. Um, and we'll start right there with, okay, so what about juncos? or towhies juncos and towhies um as you look about yeah i know you look at these birds across (laughs) north america and they have so many different colors and you know they're not your typical you know juncos are your kind of your typical sparrow size but they're gray and white or they have um a little pink to them or rusty colors to them they they don't fit the lbj moniker that's right that little brown jobby. <laughs> no, not Ladybird yeah. Johnson or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. London Baines Johnson. That's no. right. No, because we typically yeah, that that kind of came out of the fact that the vast majority of our sparrows are kind of just this brown color, variations yeah. on brown with different types of field marks that are brown. separate them apart. <laughs> yeah, are, in many cases, they're brown. Different shades of brown. <laughs> <laughs> but the birds you're talking about do not fit the LBJ label at right. all. But, you know, those juncos and those sparrows, excuse me, juncos and towhees, <laughs> uh, the colors in them too. The towhees are an amazing little group because not all the towhees even look the same. You know, looking from um, an eastern towhee to a spotted towhee. Yeah. And the 
the really rich black on the, the wings and then the white spots on the spotted tohi to like canyon tohis, which are just kind of a mostly gray and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. so many different colorations in there. But they yeah. all are in a similar family group of the sparrows. And then you get into all the little LBJs, the little brown yeah. jobbies that are all yeah. the, the, the different shades of, of, of brown. Uh, so I think we should jump right in on some of these little these well, little we did a, we did a, an entire podcast, if I remember correctly, uh, what, what episode that, on Junkos? Oh yeah, um, Junkos 20, was episode twenty two, the Gray yeah, Ghost. That was, yeah, we did a whole episode on Junkos, but gosh, to do a thing on sparrows without at least going back and touching base again about Junkos would be, I think, a, a, a serious omission because they're just so <laughs> right. cool, and it's getting to be that time of the year. When they're starting to, you know, come back this way from being in the northern, you know, for us here in the mid mid states, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those folks up in the northern states have held on to them, and in Canada have held on to them, you know, obviously all winter, all summer long. Excuse me. Oh, and I have friends uh, in but, Canada that they have juncos yeah. that nest in their yard, and I'm like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How cool yeah. is that? So, uh, but they're, they are winding their way south and mm-hmm. uh, will start showing up uh, if they haven't already in some people's uh, yards. So uh, it's definitely one we should touch on. Oh, for sure. And a lot of, a lot, they got a nickname, the Snowbirds, because um, in some areas, when the, the Juncos, especially in the eastern part of the United States, when they first really start to be recognized as showing up is it's generally around when the snows start hitting. Uh, and plus uh, that slate colored junco, which is one of the, yeah. The, yeah, the coloration subspecies, it's the coloration, the light and sky above of this gray. And then the white belly is kind of like the snow on the ground. So kind of getting that, that nickname to them. But like you alluded to, they actually start moving in October Yeah, and the first ones start coming down and then, all these others start moving further and further south. And there are some slate colored juncos as you get to the Rockies and a little west, but then you also have other junco species mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. west that uh, I just absolutely love that Oregon junco out yeah, west. Absolutely. The colors. We, every once in a while, I get lucky and have one wander east and oh, show yeah. up at our feeders here, which we, it's that that's a big day when if you can get one of those at your feeders. We should tell everyone if you want to get a junco to start coming to your yard, especially if they're coming back and your yard's within that 10 acre area and you don't even know that it is uh, putting out the right kind of feeder and food to get them to, to attract them in. And one of the best foods to do that and pretty much for any sparrow species, <laughs> millet. There you go. Millet is it's a, and it's a tiny little white ball of a seed and you, you can put out just millet. Um, or you can put it out in a blend. I know, John, you love hopper feeders and yeah. putting out like um, that Wild Birds Unlimited's deluxe blend or some other blends that have millet in it in the hopper feeder. So some of it, that millet gets kicked to the ground. Yeah, and, exactly what I do. Yeah, my preferred method is a ground feeder so that it's it's just a tray that um, I have a roof over it and it's down on the ground with legs that lift the tray just up off the ground. So Mm -hmm. the food doesn't Mm -hmm. sit on the ground and the birds are happy to forage around there or hop up into the feeder. And I love to put straight millet in there. And then every once in a while do something with a blend that has some uh, sunflower chips or some sunflower seeds in the shell. 
That's a really good point, Brian, in the sense of, you you know, you keep yours up off the ground, which is actually a very good thing to do. One of the things, the reason I do it the way I do it and 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 still be within the threshold of doing of what's right for the birds in mm-hmm. regards to safety and that type of thing is that, you know, my I do use a deluxe, and it doesn't have a, a tremendous amount of millet in it, and the birds, when they're on my hopper feeder, you know, our classic feeder has the open sides to the to the perch. Mm-hmm. And so when Bill when other bigger birds are in there trying to get their sunflower seed or their whatever it might be, their safflower or their striped seed, they're going to do a bill sweeping, and they just knock some seeds down on the ground because the sides are open on that perch. So if I had a huge buildup of millet underneath my feeder, I would stop doing it, and that's what I. That's the point I really want to make here to that's everybody. A great is point. you don't, yeah, you don't want a bunch of food on the ground underneath that can rot and spoil and and cause problems. And, and if I had that kind of buildup going on, I would actually do exactly what you're doing and, and switch to a tray feeder. And that that may be you have to kind of watch it. It's not something you can do once and forget. You know, it, it depends on the activity at your feeders. You know, if you mm-hmm. get a lot of juncos coming in, you know, in the winter time, and they're eating out of house and home, <laughs> you're not going to have to worry about a drop of millet, you know, one kernel of millet, one seed of millet being on the ground at the end of the day. They're going to wipe it all out and eat it all down. But if you don't have many juncos this winter for whatever reason, or you don't have many white crowned or white throated sparrows or song sparrows or some of our American tree sparrows or whatever it might be that are all going to be chowing down on that millet. Uh, then you probably need to say, you know, I'm not going to use as much millet in my classic, you know, hopper feeder as I normally would, or I may go like you do, Brian, to Mm -hmm. a tray feeder. Yeah. Well, the coolest part too about these juncos and feeding them is that they're pretty much found anywhere you feed birds. You and I were talking the other day. Yeah, the the subspecies. They're they're oh, like you know, thirty one subspecies yeah, but, of song sparrows. Yeah, <laughs> but then you look at the different you know research, and it's like take your pick. Depends on how you classify. <laughs> you know, most subspecies are classified classified geographically. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a unique population, and they're unique because they have certain plumage colors, or they have certain um, songs, or calls, or right. behaviors, or whatever it might be. And so these are the things, and, and, and then you get to where you can do the genetics and, and the genetics tell you a whole different story. So you can go through all the different research and yeah, it's everything from, you know, there's probably about 14 subspecies to, oh no, there's probably about 45 subspecies. <laughs> so I'm thinking, really? It's... We can't track this down. But the, the general rule of thumb historically has been around 30 subspecies yeah. uh, with unique calls or geographic isolation there, you know, where they're only found in one area, different plumages or whatever. Well, one of the neat things is as is, is much back when we were traveling, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's that? Many, many a year ago, back when we were kids. Uh, now, when you and I were traveling previously, it was really neat. Pretty much, no matter where you went in North America, that you could see a song sparrow. And and interestingly, from the east, you know, they're all that um, kind of a white base with lots of brown streaking. So much brown streaking, you almost say there's a brown streaking with or a brown base with white streaking in. Yeah, yeah. But the further west you get, the darker that brown gets. Um, yeah. And it's it's fascinating to see because if you forget, when you move from one, one, <laughs> you travel from one area to another and you see what, 
well, that looks kind of like a song spray, but that's really weird. It's that that brown coloration is just a different shade yeah. or, or yeah. hue, and it's but it's still a song sparrow. And the other cool part is pretty much every song sparrow, hence they got their name honestly, they are the Casanovas, the you know, yeah. they, <laughs> the the songsters. They just sing and sing and sing, but they all yeah. start off with the same couple of notes at the beginning of their songs. Uh, which maids, maids, maids. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes off from there. Do, 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 yeah, whatever they've learned yeah. and pieced together. But they all start off with this two or three note. D, D, yeah. D. And off you go. So it's really neat to see that pretty much anywhere you travel in North America, you, you're going to be able to hear song sparrows, see song sparrows. And they're really just a fun little bird to be drawn into your backyard. Yeah, you know, I've had the chance to, to uh, over the last... 15 plus years had a chance to lead bird hikes a lot out west for for our owners and groups and things like that mm-hmm. and, and we always go out at least a day early to to you know scout and and check things out and it always takes us a moment you know when we see yep. that first song sparrow out west and they're they're so much darker in certain parts of the country and it's like wait 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 wait, wait. what's what was that? that oh yeah it's a song sparrow <laughs> But you're actually, yeah, you were talking about their calls. I think, that, again, that's one of the most fascinating things. Uh, and I always get the vision in my head of some grad student doing research, and the professors mm-hmm. told them to go out. <laughs> I want you to count the number of songs that a song sparrow does every single day. And by the way, you've got to be out there at 4.30 in the morning for the dawn song. When they start count singing every one right of those. before that sun comes and up. Then you've got, yes, yeah, yeah. And you've got to follow this sparrow around all day long in this acre and a half, and you've got to count every... And I just see some poor grad student going, click, 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 with a counter, you know. <laughs> 2,300 times times in one day mm-hmm. because that research has mm-hmm. been done and they've quantified that the average song sparrow and that's average. during yeah during breeding season is doing 2300 songs a day yeah <laughs> it and here's the its crazy name, thing honestly yeah but, and the dawn song usually is that spring and summer time frame in spring is when it's the 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 most robust with all the birds singing in the mornings. And then the summer, it starts to wane as, as breeding season is waning. These song sparrows do this year round. Even in, in the dead of winter, at some point you can hear yeah, song sparrows yeah. singing. They yeah. just, they can't not sing. <laughs> they love it. I think that's, they're happy to be alive. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what we talked about the last time was the importance of leaving your leaves on the mm-hmm. ground because there's certain birds that go underneath the leaf litter um, and the song sparrow is definitely one of them that that scratches it, it uses its feet to scratch through the leaf litter to get down to the ground and find any seeds that might be under the leaf you know been protected by the fallen leaves or you know maybe a, a maybe insect some insects here. now they're mostly seed eaters but maybe a little insect food here and there uh, but we call it the song sparrow samba because it's like this little little two hop forward and one hop back dun 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 so so you and you see them doing that and boy you see that and it's it puts you right on target to say oh that could be a song sparrow and then you can zero in on it and figure out make sure it is a song sparrow oh for sure it's it's kind of a fun unique behavior they have 
Oh, definitely. And they, like you said, they eat mostly seeds, a few insects, but uh, fascinating that uh, the, the amount of food that they eat, that uh, these yeah. little yeah. birds, just they're just like many of our sparrows, little eating machines, their weight actually can fluctuate up to like 20% in a day. That's amazing. Where the, they may Jeez. not have much weight in the morning because they went through the night and they, they're like, you know what? I need to put on some fat today. I need to eat a lot of food so I can use that fat to burn it off overnight and stay warm. And 20% yeah, of their amazing. body weight in fat that's amazing. to be put on in it's a day amazing. and burned off overnight. <laughs> it's yeah. Just my that's, that's one of the cool things you mentioned a couple of times. Don't, don't, you know, but I'm, I'm a bird bander and get a really unique opportunity to hold a lot of these birds in my hand and, and, you know, look at them and, and judge their health based on their fat content. And what's really cool is you, their skin is so thin that you can literally see right through. Mm-hmm. So you can see the maroon, rich red flight muscles in their chest and the divot, you know, if you, if you underneath our throat, we have that divot in, in our throat. Well, on birds, that's where they store fat. They also store it underneath the pits of their wings, and they also store it underneath the pit of their tail. Very aerodynamic. If they if they loaded their belly like we do with it, they wouldn't be flying too well. But but <laughs> it's so thin, you literally can see through it. And so you can see the red of the flight muscles. Like if you're looking at the chest and the throat, you can see the rich kind of maroony red of the flight muscles in their chest. But if you look at that little divot, you know, if you if you go underneath your chin, you know, right there at your chest, you've got a divot uh, down low. Yeah, just right at your chest where your neck meets your, the base of the uh, neck meets your chest. Birds have the same thing, and that's a very good place for them to store fat. It's very aerodynamic. And they also do it in the, the pits of their wings and in the pit behind their, you know, at the base of their tail. So, so they, they can fly if they put it all around their belly like some of us gather fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wouldn't be very aerodynamic. So, so they, they, you know, put this in and you can literally, when you're, when you're holding them, you can separate. I use a little straw and just blow through the straw and it separates the feathers. And I can actually see that divot and I can see how full it is with fat. And it's really cool because in the in the evening, you know, if I'm banding late in the afternoon, that divot, especially, you know, uh, early winter, that divot can be totally full. It'll be leveled off with fat. If I catch that same bird in the morning or other birds, you know, typically all of the different juncos and sparrows in the morning, that divot's probably very, you know, maybe just has a layer, a thin layer at the base of the of the divot and and the other lace places they are burning off as brian as you said mm-hmm. they're burning off all that fat overnight yeah so they're eating machines during the day to replace it you know pretty amazing stuff well and you, you talk about needing to get all that fat on and having millet uh and a, a good amount of it in one spot a song sparrow is all about when they're selecting their favorite food places to go they're looking for a spot where there's a dense area of food available uh, instead of kind of you know going and browsing a little here and a little there and a little here and a little there they want to go to one spot and they want to sit and eat a lot of that food and then go digest it because uh, that's going to help them be more efficient and, you know, John, you talk about the uh, the poor grad student counting things. <laughs> Someone actually has sat and watched in the average. You know how long it takes a song sparrow to take a little 
clear husk off of one seed of millet. Which is amazing that they do that in the first place. They, they just actually eat it. do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they take the husk off. It takes them like an average of three seconds to take that little clear husk off of one seed of millet. And they'll sit there and do it. And that's really neat to be one of those things that you can watch and see happening at your feeder. Especially get, get some binoculars and look and, and see it much closer. Just fascinating. These little behaviors you can watch up close in your own yard just by attracting them in. To have that beautiful song of the white-throated sparrow uh, greet you in the early morning. Man, nothing better. Yeah. Yep. Oh, sweet, yeah, oh, Canada, sweet. Canada. Yeah. Yeah, old sweet Canada, 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 or some people say or, old Sam Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a, it's so clear, it's so crisp, it's so, yeah. just right the tonal quality. I don't know, it just it just absolutely makes your day when you start hearing. This it. makes you smile. It's very cool. Well, and a really interesting. Plus, they're thing. downright handsome. Oh, indeed, those white-throated <laughs> sparrows get their name honestly. This bright white throat on this little LBJ, and. Um, and then they get these little, this yellow, yellow coloration in the lore, which is between the bill and the eyes. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But a really, really neat thing that came out uh, about a year or two ago about this uh, Oh Sweet Canada Bird, the white-throated sparrow, is they, they've always sung it as a three-note. Yes. Know, oh, sweet Canada, yeah. Canada, Canada. So three times they say that. Or, oh, Sam, Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. But they found... Um, and this is due to research. They they started realizing that the males started changing. And we're not talking in little geographical areas. We're talking like all across the range to two, only two Canada's. And the, the females are actually responding more positively to the males doing, oh, <laughs> sweet Canada, Canada. <laughs> yeah. And, and we don't know why, but yeah. it's amazing. We're watching this change. Like within only a few years of it, it all happening. It's it's just absolutely fascinating. You know that that, that is. Um, we don't have time to go into <laughs> tons and tons of examples and stuff. But maybe in the future we'll we'll include a segment on on one of the things that's really interesting over the last I don't know maybe less than a decade is the research that they're finding like juncos at uh, some of the junco behavior and some of the subspecies out west. Uh, they're adapting amazingly fast. They're actually, you know, for some researchers, it's, it's you know, with with climate changing and, and weather conditions changing and, and a lot of concern about birds being able to adapt to the changes, there's some ornithologists are starting to get a little, at least a little comfort in the fact that <laughs> some of the research has shown that just like, you know, I, we're not sure why the white throated sparrow is changing, you know, this call, but it is adapting to something. And these mm-hmm. at, and like you said, it's spreading throughout the entire population. Right. It's not just a subspecies. So it's the whole the population. Point being, <laughs> yeah. It seems to be that they're having the ability to adapt to juncos out West. There's been some great studies about how fast that some of these have adapted and changed yeah. their behavior. And especially when it came to nesting. Uh, so you keep your fingers crossed that maybe birds or some, some, some of our birds at least mm-hmm. are a little more flexible <laughs> and, and a little quicker to adapt, uh, to some of the changing conditions. 
So White Crown is one of the, if, you, if you're not familiar with White Crown, you could confuse. He's White Crown and a, and a White Throated look very similar mm-hmm. because of the black and white striping on the on the head. Uh, I don't know, what would you say on the, the White Crown? It's a little more compact the and white defined. Crown, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit you know? more, and it's very, it's white, black, white, black. Um, so you yeah, kind of have these. It's almost like they're wearing that. It's like we're wearing it too. And it's like yeah. one of those old, um, or even some of the, the bicycle helmets nowadays are starting to go back yeah, to that. Yeah. Where it almost looks like a white and black striped bicycle helmet. Yeah, uh, and some people one, might yeah. say football helmet. Uh, yeah. But if you look at that bird and you go, that looks like he's wearing a little helmet. That is not a white throated sparrow. That's a white crowned sparrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and plus I love they going out west and listening to, the, listening to them sing. I just absolutely yeah. love hearing them sing. Um, but once again, eating machines when they come through, yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're putting on uh, three grams of fat a day. If you figure I'm I'm maybe a, a 12, 13 gram bird, three grams of fat a day. We we're talking like the, yeah. the other sparrows. Yeah. It's a similar concept. It's the fluctuation of that and how they can utilize that for fuel. And that fuel, you know, is not just for for nighttime energy, but it's during migration. Um, you know, our song sparrows are pretty much, they just kind of stay where they live year round, but the white crowns will migrate and they're using that fat for not just staying warm overnight, but if they're migrating, they migrate overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fat gives them that fuel to move. Um, so that, and that is really, really cool. And you think about some of these white crowns live in Alaska, breed in Alaska for summertime and go all the way down to California for yeah. winter time. Yeah. That's a yeah. long way to go. <laughs> and they can travel like 70 miles at a time when they're, when they're yeah. in migration. So they need, they need that fat. They need that energy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, we got two more birds that we don't want to leave off the list. Cause they're kind of fun in the sense of they look a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And that's our chipping yes. sparrow and our American tree sparrows. And, very and it's a very common because the tree sparrows, are a migrant and they come here to the Midwest anyway. And well, they south come of here actually in, to in, a lot of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in winter, so time. they're 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 a winter visitor basically. The tree sparrow, whereas the chipping sparrow for many of us is a summer visitor. So they they occupy kind of the same niche in your backyard. Mm-hmm. They look a lot alike. Oh, a lot alike. And and if you don't know all the field marks to separate the two apart. You kind of don't miss the fact that maybe the chipping sparrows have left right. <laughs> and the tree sparrows have shown up and vice versa. So it's well, kind of like, yeah. yeah. And they both eat the same thing. They yeah. both enjoy and, millet and, and some sunflower chips at your feeders. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really chipping sparrow is cool. definitely a little smaller bird. If you really look at it, it's like, Martha, have, have the chipping sparrows gotten fat and grown <laughs> right. up a little bit? Because they're right. so much bigger now. <laughs> right. Well, and if you are in the, just the, the, the way southern states of the U.S., um, you get the chipping sparrows in winter. And those chipping sparrows, yeah, John, they're, they're putting on weight. You think about, um, once, again, once again, about a 13-gram bird mm-hmm. can eat 70 times And just for reference, it's weight. about 28 to 30 grams uh, to, to an ounce. So just for reference of how much a gram actually is, there you're you looking at, at about 28 to 30 grams per ounce. So you're looking at a little 13 gram bird can eat 70, of an ounce. 70 times their own weight in seed in the winter time. Yeah. <laughs> That's I just blows my mind. I cannot you know, imagine eating 70 times my weight in, in the winter. 
Um, yeah. Brian, you, you know, we've, we've mentioned that over and over again, how much these birds eat. And, mm-hmm. don't know yeah. that we've, and we've mentioned the importance of habitat, but I don't think we've actually gone back and really tied it to the fact that this is why we tell people to leave your deadheads, you yeah. know, your, your wildflowers and that type of thing, your seeds, mm-hmm. and leaving them, you know, yeah. don't go in there and neaten up the yard before winter. Let these things be there because this is what these birds, re- I mean, yes, they're coming to your feeders, but they're relying on the natural food source big time also. Yep. So the more that you can leave present, do it because that's the important part for these birds. you've hung with us and like john you're saying everyone you feel our love for the sparrows and now you want to you want to you want to feel that love too and there are ways you can do that so thanks for listening to our spectacular sparrows and check out our show notes we've got more information in there for you as well and please rate and review us we'd love to see and and read your comments absolutely and and again please join us next time uh, we're going to try to talk about some things that this time of year, some simple things that you can be doing in your backyard to really make sure you're doing the best you can do for your birds. So until then, as I always say, Brian and I are going to let nature be our guide, and we hope that you'll please take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs>